park. Hit him with a strike. From the national anthem to the bottom of the night. I'm in Slendy, Ego, Slendy, Ego, Slendy, Ego, Slendy, Ayy. You already know what's up. What's that? Another home run. But you know the job ain't done. Till we hold that trophy up. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 451 of the Talking Friars podcast and YouTube show. Ben Fadden with you here. It is August 21st, 2023. We got Padres and the Marlins hopefully starting up their three-game series later tonight. There obviously has been the weather. Hopefully everyone is doing well. Not a whole lot of damage. I definitely saw that there was flooding and it was a lot of rain yesterday, but on my end, seems like everything's okay. Hopefully that's the same for you. Uh, there's a lot to talk about here on this show. A lot of Padres prospects were promoted yesterday by the club. I don't think they've officially been promoted by some of the clubs because I'm looking at like the Fort Wayne roster, for example, and I still see Robbie Snelling on there. Um, and he was one of the names that were that was promoted to Double A to San Antonio. So there's a lot of names. This isn't just one or two prospects that were promoted yesterday. A lot of names. So we'll get to that, obviously, here to kick off this show. And then after that, we can talk about where the Padres stand and all that. And Padres Marlins and Skip Schumacher coming into town. Ryan Weathers, Josh Bell, former Padres coming into town. And I don't have a great feeling about this. We'll see how it ends up. Hopefully, everyone here that is doing that is live, excuse me, hopefully everyone is doing well. If you want to join the show, as always, you can click that link that is pinned up at the top of the chat. If you want to make sure I get to your comment or your question, you can click that dollar sign in the comments, the super chat button there, and it separates the comment into a totally different category, makes it very easy for me to see your comment or your question. Uh, just a quick reminder here as we wait for some people to get in here, use my code TALKINGFRIERS, $20 off your SeatGeek order, and you can click the link in the description. For some great San Diego sports swag from Breaking T, Padres, Aztecs, and the Wave. Wave got a win over the weekend, uh, and San Diego State football is about to start up here shortly. So if the Padres don't make the postseason, um, hopefully there's going to be at least one team in town making the postseason. We'll see about the San Diego Loyal as well. And then obviously the Aztecs with their football is going to get started. Uh, but obviously, what everyone cares about most here, the San Diego Padres, and I want to start with the promotions of a lot of guys. And Ethan Salas is the headliner. But just want to go through the names that were promoted yesterday. According to Jeff Sanders of the San Diego Union-Tribune, I believe he had this first. Ethan Salas, Robbie Snelling, Graham Pauley, Jacob Marcy, and Nathan Martarella, they have all been promoted to AA, San Antonio, the San Antonio Missions. And I believe they're going to be headed to the postseason this year. So their season's going to end up being longer than Fort Wayne. So maybe that's why you're seeing someone like Ethan Salas be promoted. Some of these other guys be promoted. Probably have to be, they probably have to be ready. Now, you could maybe make the argument Salas isn't ready. But I think that the Padres want to have a lot of their core big prospects come up together and play together. And that's going to be their main message to Padres fans. Now, whether or not we decide to believe that, that's up to every individual Padres fan, right? But it does make sense that the Padres would try to spin this as, yeah, we're, we're promoting these players so that they can play together and learn how to win together. 
even though I don't totally buy that because there have been times in the Padres history, right, where you bring up players all at the same time, and how did that work out? Not great. But maybe this is going to end up being different because the Padres can have Salas and Snelling, and now Jackson Merrill, he's in double-A as well. He was recently promoted before these guys were. Have all of these guys, Snelling, Salas, Marcy, Pauly, Martorella, um, Merrill, um, I'm forgetting, I think Iniarte is there as well. Maybe Lizarraga is there. I forget if he's there. Have them all together and build that chemistry. And maybe it ends up working out. And you hope that this time around, AJ will be able to keep most of those guys instead of feeling the need to trade those guys before they come up to the big leagues. And we get to see how they can actually perform with the Padres at the big league level. He keeps this core together. And maybe they end up winning together throughout the minor leagues and at the big league level. And this can turn into sort of like a Houston Astros thing. Or, you know, obviously the Cubs get brought up, right? The, the Braves have a lot of guys like that where it's not like they just brought them in. There's some key players that they brought in, but there's a lot of homegrown guys. Um, you look at the Astros and you point to the starting pitching. You point to Alex Bregman and Jose Altuve and Springer when he was there, Correa when he was there a lot of talent that came up uh, and stayed at the big league level there. And maybe that's what the Padres are trying to do here. And maybe we'll see the, the results of that at the big league level in a couple years, in a few years. That's down the road. And I think most fans care more about what's happening right now at the big league level, and that's understandable. But that was the news of the day yesterday because there obviously was no Padres game. And it was definitely interesting. You know, Ethan Salas, He's 17 years old, and he has already been promoted twice. And I'm just not, I'm, I'm not actually three times, I guess, technically, from rookie ball to Lake Elsinore, from Lake Elsinore to Fort Wayne, Fort Wayne to San Antonio now, all in this same season. Remember, he was in the Padres clubhouse, and there were questions about where he was going to start, and then he ended up not starting at Lake Elsinore. And then he went to Lake Elsinore. I think he won player of the month there uh, for the Cal League. And then he went to Fort Wayne, and he played nine games there. It's not like he was dominant in Fort Wayne. So my question, and I put this out on social media yesterday, my question was, what was the point of having Ethan Salas play with Fort Wayne if he was only going to play there for less than 10 games? Why? What was the point of that? Because he clearly never like got comfortable there. It's nine games, and some of those games were on the road. They weren't even at the home ballpark for Fort Wayne. It was that didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Um, and Salas, he had 35 at bats there with the 10 caps, a 472 OPS, which was well below the OPS that he had with Lake Elsinore this season, 837. Like that's a big gap there. And so is Salas ready for double A? That I think that's a valid question. I mean, he is 17. And double A usually is the best level of minor league talent. I know triple A is the higher level, but in terms of the best prospects in all of Major League Baseball, or I should, I should say minor league baseball, the best prospects are playing in double A because sometimes, I feel like most of the time, they get most of their work in at double A. And then they either just go right to the big leagues the next year and they don't even play in AAA, like Tatis did, right? He never played for El Paso. Or they start at AAA 
for like the service time thing at the beginning of the next season, and then they go up. Like double A is really where they like tell their teams, okay, I am ready to do this. And Salas, this isn't something I don't I want to make this clear. This is not something where he's gonna be called up this season. I don't think he's gonna get called up next season either. Jim Callis, who was on the show last week, was saying that he could be ready to go by 19 years old. Well, he's 17 now. So are they going to have Salas play this year and all of next year at AA and then bring him up? Are they going to have him do this year, next year at AA, or this year, part of next year at AA, and then the end of the, at the end of next season have him play with AAA and then bring him up? I don't know. Uh, I just don't want to – I really just don't want to have Ethan Salas be rushed up. But at the same time, like if he was showing that he was ready to move up from Lake Elsinore, why not put him at double A? And I don't follow the minor leagues super closely because I'm following the big league team every day. But is there a huge gap between high A and double A? Maybe the Padres think that eh, it's not that huge of a gap. Maybe we should just bring him up to double A. And why the heck did we even have him in high A with Fort Wayne? You know, um, so. I'm going to be very interested to see how Salas does the rest of this season. And then next season, I'd be surprised if he's not at double A to start next season. Or maybe he goes down to high A if he, high a if he struggles. But, I mean, struggle struggling is part of the game, right? Every player does struggle at some point. So maybe this is something that the Padres are like, we want him to be challenged here. Sure, he's only 17, but he's a very mature 17-year-old from everything that we've seen. Let's go challenge this guy. And let's see how he deals with the struggles. Let's have him get familiar with some of the pitching at the double-A level, the pitching that he will probably be catching at the big leagues, hopefully at some point. Let's give him this challenge, and we'll see how it works out. Um, as for the other guys that are being called up to double-A, Robbie Snelling, he's the best Padres pitching prospect in the organization as of now, according to uh, MLB.com their prospect list with Jim Callis. I think Jonathan Mayo does some work on that as well. You could say Dylan Lesko maybe has like the higher upside, but Snelling has a 1.88 ERA so far this season through 18 starts, 19 years old. He was drafted just last year, so he's a fast mover as well. So I'm interested in seeing how he does, obviously, in AA. And Grant Pauly, 305 average so far this year. Uh, 20 home runs. OPS is over 900. Jacob Marcy. 22-year-old outfielder. I saw yesterday he has a ton of stolen bases this season. And he's done pretty well offensively. His OPS is over 830 with Fort Wayne. So, again, AJ, he has a history of trying to push these guys at the minor league level and maybe giving them challenges earlier than some other GMs would. And maybe that's a flaw of AJ's. But, hey, he watches these guys more than we do. He knows more about these guys than I do, for sure. Um, and AJ, at heart, I think he's a good scout at heart. Now, the other things we can definitely question, right? Um, but him bringing guys up like this, I just feel like he views it as a positive, obviously, giving them that challenge and seeing how they do. And they can always get sent down if they don't do well or if Salas isn't ready, for example. Um, but I think a part of this again is having those guys play together. I think the Baltimore Orioles, if I'm not mistaken, they did play together as well. Gunnar Henderson and Adley Rutschman. Um, 
who else did they bring up? Well, and I know right now uh, Kierstad and I think Kowser, they're playing together. So maybe there is something to that. But there have been situations, including with the Padres, where you have Margot and you have Renfro and you have Hedges and who was, was it a Swahe that was in that group? And Lauer, Lucchese, you know, they play together, they come up to the big leagues and it doesn't work out, right? So there's always that risk, but I feel like there's higher ceilings with these players, but I don't know. I was hearing a lot of chatter with about Margot and Renfro, you know, and those guys when they were coming up. And this is the same thing here. So it's definitely not a guarantee, but it's certainly interesting. I do see Matt here. He wants to come on. What's up, man? How's it going? Hey, man. It's been a while. You've had too many nighttime shows for me. I don't I can't make it up that late. So I just wanted to touch in on some topics we hit on on the past and just see uh, where you are now. Um, on the, uh, like, who to blame or people are always fire Preller, fire Melvin, whose fault really is it? Uh, I think one time I called in on John and Jim when Kevin Acey was on there and he said that Melvin has full, I don't know if he's right, but he said Melvin had full control over making out the lineups and full control over the bullpen. So if that's the case, then who has decided that Hader can only pitch when Hader says he can pitch? Who, who, who listens to that and says, okay, you're, I mean, we're, you know, we're going to abide by your rules. Is that Melvin or Preller? In, in your opinion, I, I, there's no way to know. I'm just curious. I mean, it doesn't even feel like it's a front office or a managing thing. It feels like it's Josh Hader trying to protect himself. And I understand that. Uh, but it feels like it's more like Josh Hader telling the Padres, like, hey, I kind of got screwed over with the Milwaukee Brewers. And if we're going to win games, there's going to have to be a ninth inning anyway to close out. And that's where I'm comfortable. That's where I pitch best. I mean, just go look at the numbers. And I think Melvin and Niebla are like, well, he's right about that. And we can't overuse the guy like other guys in the bullpen are going to have to pitch. Now, I'm on the viewpoint of I'm under on the side of like it's it's time right now. Like they've got to win games and it's already past the urgency point. Like I feel like the season's over. So they already missed their opportunity with that. But I felt. Few weeks ago, they should have started being like, "Hey, Josh, man, I, I know that one time he pitched what three days in a row, but yes. it's like, come once. on, one yeah, time. once, like, come on, like, take but, it, take it for the team. We're not asking you. And this, if I was Bob Melvin or Ruben Niebla, I would be like, I'm not asking you to do something that you haven't done in terms of the innings work. You can pitch one inning, but if you have to, if you have to pitch it in the eighth inning, let's say, I'm not saying pitch in the fourth." Pitch in the eighth inning, you got the best part of the lineup up, big spot, and you have, I don't know, Steven Wilson or someone that can maybe pitch the ninth. If you do it there, that's all I would ask out of him. And it's just still one inning. And I know Trevor Hoffman, people bring that up about, oh, well, he had this big routine and he was super successful doing that. And so if we're not going to complain yeah, about that, we can't <laughs> complain about Hater. But it is different nowadays. Yeah, it's I don't, I don't buy it. Again, I've, I've I just go back argument. to the, I go back to the urgency thing. Like, I'm sorry, the sitting here as a fan, the urgency with the hater stuff, I just don't feel it, it that it's there. Yeah, I've, I've seen that Hoffman argument. I don't buy that either. So then, my final thing on, I mean, I don't know how many more times I'll speak to. Then I, I blame hater fully for the season, because to me. 
I don't know who Soto was talking about when he's talking about quitting, but I mean, I mean, Manny might not have the best body language or whatever, but he still plays every day. Whatever. I mean, I blame I completely blame Hater because the difference is so small. If you take before this last whatever train wreck disaster, there were with three or four under or whatever. I mean, if you just take extra innings instead of uh, you know going zero and ten, you're four and six. Then you're you know you would be above five hundred right then. So the fact that he the fact that Josh Hader can't you're zero and ten and you have him as a closer, and all you got to do I mean all you have to do is look at it. were you impressed by the Baltimore Orioles at all? I mean literally I mean I, I watch them on the East Coast so I see the Orioles. I mean, yes, they have a 30 games over 500. I want, they're not that impressive. They're just not. None of their guys have ever. No, the, no the, the, the starting pitching isn't very, very impressive either. No, uh, the I just feel like they are a shit show. Yeah. They execute more than the Padres have, though, offensively. But they did come through in the right situations, though. Yeah, I guess. I mean, so, I mean, I don't know. I To me, the difference in that team versus the Padres team is Felix Bautista versus Josh Hader. I've seen Felix Bautista literally pitch two innings for three nights in a row because they needed to either catch Tampa or hold off Tampa. Now, granted, he did of late. He's, you can tell he's starting to slow down, but we're 120-some games in. If Hader had done anything, I mean, I think he's got like 20-some more innings than Hader, which for a closer is insane. Yeah. So if Hader, if Hader had put those innings in earlier, like you said, when it actually mattered, then I don't, I don't think we get to this point. I think that they're, they've treaded water to the point where maybe AJ was a bigger buyer at the deadline. So maybe the Musgrove injury isn't as bad because instead of getting Rich Hill, you actually get a, a, a decent pitcher. I don't know. I, I'm just, when I look back, I've got to blame him because to me, it's just, I, I don't know what the point It's like, it's like, People say, oh, well, you can't have Bob Melvin going into a lame duck season coaching. So he's either going to fire or step down because they're not going to extend him. Well, then this was basically a lame duck year for Hader pitching. If he's going to dictate those terms, say, well, I've never got to free agency in Milwaukee, overuse me. I'm not going to allow that again. Well, then, you know, then get rid of him before the season. I mean, I, I just, I don't know. It just, it, it infuriates me that he dictates terms. And I, I don't, I don't see anybody else, but maybe Xander dictating where he wants in the batting order, or only playing shortstop. Maybe you could consider that dictating terms. But to me, Hater's the only one that I've noticed that. I mean, he just seems completely detached from the team altogether. And he, ever since Edwin Diaz, Diaz got five for a hundred, Hater's like, f this, I want five for a hundred. I ain't doing. I'm doing the, you know, as little as possible for the best results possible to get my bag and that's it. And so yeah, I, and the, the urgency thing I go back to because correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know if you remember the quotes that he's had earlier this year where he was talking about how I'm not going to essentially, I'm not going to extend myself until like September. That's what I'm really going to get going. Cause I'm gearing up for the postseason. I want to be at my best for the postseason, And he's trying to save himself for then. And it's like, that's not the only time we've heard that kind of from the Padres clubhouse. Like we Musgrove has talked about how he thinks that some guys have maybe not has been, they haven't had the urgency that they've needed to have from day one. And that's been pretty apparent. And that's part of the reason why 
we are where we are right now. But at least they still play. I mean, he dictates that he won't pitch. I mean, I, like yeah. Musgrove, I mean, he's hurt now, but I mean, he, even if he didn't, he still pitches. A, I mean, Soto's played or appeared in every game. Man, he had one small stint off. I mean, Kim plays every day. Tatis has played every day since the uh, 20 games were up. I mean, at least they play. I mean, he, it's not like they were like, well, man, he's like, well, I'm only gonna play five days a week because now I got ten more years. I got, you know, I want to be rare. I want to be sharp for year seven or something, or sharp for, I don't know. It, I mean, he did say that, and we've discussed in the past that they kind of approached the season as if they were already in the playoffs. But yeah. like you said, once once it it was became apparent that they weren't, and it was going to be a struggle, then even if you only had to do that for like, maybe you didn't have to do it for you know three months maybe you only had to do it for that one month where the bullpen was really breaking down so maybe you only would have added on maybe 10 more innings instead of 20 but if it could have been resulted in four more extra inning wins or something like that like i said it would have been you know you'd be treading water now you'd be two games back or whatever i just anyway it just it just pisses me off that they let him dictate that and he still got, I don't know, I can't remember, 14 million in arbitration or something, something to that effect of and I mean he obviously makes less than Suarez on an AAV mm-hmm. and he's you know anyway. That, yeah, that's, that, that, that's, it that's irritates it. me too. That's that just which my final like frustration. I'm I've I've given up. I don't, you know, I just the 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 grand slam that wasn't turning into the grand slam that was in the back half of the doubleheader was just like, well, that's it. I mean, it just felt like the final, final, not that it hasn't been trending that way anyway, but that just felt mm. like the final nail. So anyway, I just wanted to, uh, anyway, thank you for all the content you put out. I watch it all, whether it's live or on replay. Some, like I said, I can't stay up for the late shows on the East coast, but I appreciate all that you put out. I watch, I consume it all. So thank, thank you so you. much, Matt. I appreciate you. You're welcome right. on anytime. All right. All right Have buddy. a good one, man. All right. All right. So, yeah, I, I'm frustrated with the hater stuff, too. It's it's a good point. And, yeah, that's something that we have talked about. The the urgency, that has been part of it, right? There's We can point to different things of this Padres team, and, you know, pointing to why they are under 500, why they are seven games under 500. The lack of urgency from the very beginning. Players in the clubhouse talking about that. Some guys in the clubhouse quitting. Quotes, you know, in that Mariner series from Juan Soto talking about that, right? Manny Machado, he has said sometimes that, like, well, there's been some times where he said there's urgency. Yes, we're, we need to play with urgency. But then there's other times where we're like, we're not desperate. We're not desperate. I think he was talking to Kevin Acey about that. It's like, Okay, so maybe that's part of the problem then. You need to start playing like that. You should have started playing like that, like weeks ago when that was happening, you know? Um, Yeah, it's just underwhelming performances and lack of urgency and quitting and put all those things together, and that is a terrible combination if you're trying to have success. And you're, you know, you go into a season trying to be this World Series contender, you're not going to be that if you combine all of those things, right? I'm looking at the Hater and Felix Bautista numbers here, just comparing the two, kind of like Matt brought up there about Bautista. And Hater has 46 games. Bautista has 53. 
And that doesn't seem like a whole lot, right? That's not a huge gap, right? What's that, seven outings? But you add those seven outings up, that's seven innings right there, assuming that those Bautista outings were just one inning apiece. And I don't think they were all just one inning apiece. When you look at, I'm, look, I'm going to pull up Bautista's game logs right now. I'm seeing some two-inning outings, right? August 12th, he went two innings against Seattle. Uh, July 20th went two innings, you know? You add that up, you take his, I'll just take his August appearances. Because that's six right there. I'll take his last seven, because that's the difference between the two. His last seven appearances from July 31st to August 19th. Eight and a third innings of work. And he hasn't even been that good, but I'm just, I'm just bringing up the innings. If Hayter would pitch eight more innings this season, if he'd have eight and a third more innings this season, would the Padres have more wins? And I'm talking about if those innings were pitched in high leverage spots, maybe the game's tied and the Padres aren't waiting for a save situation, you know? Or he's pitching in the eighth inning one of those games before someone blows it, right? If he's pitching there in those innings and adding those innings on, are the Padres still under 500? Maybe. But maybe they'd be two or three games under 500 instead of being seven games under 500 like they are right now. And if they were only two games under 500 or three games under 500, well, guess where they would be? They definitely wouldn't be six games back, right? I mean, you look at Miami right now, right? 64 and 61. So Miami's one game back of a playoff spot. So the Padres would be like three or four games back probably of a playoff spot, which I think we would still feel, okay, maybe they're in it. But six games back, I don't see anyone that feels um, like this Padres team is in it, right? And, and why should you? Sure, there's some fans that are always going to have optimism and always going to, you know, keep the faith, believe in the team. But I'm sorry, how how can you actually, like, seriously, not just doing it uh, as a as a joke? Like, oh, come on, there's still time. You're not joking around, but you actually believe it. How can you actually believe it? I just don't see how you can actually believe that. Um, getting back to, and I'm gonna get to the chat here. Don't worry. Definitely going to get to the chat. If you have any super chats, you can put them in there. Uh, it supports the channel, so I appreciate anyone that does that. And if you want to join, if you want to join the show, excuse me, you can click that link that's pinned up at the top of the chat. Um, I did. I didn't hit on all of the names that were pulled up. I believe to Double A, Nathan Mortarella. He was also brought up, and he is 22 years of age, just like Jacob Marcy. 73 runs driven in this season in 112 games at High A. So he was definitely, it seemed like, ready to go up to double A. And maybe he got called up a little bit later than he should have to double A. But again, I'm not going to get too deep into that because I'm just looking at numbers. I'm not, I'm not watching Nathan Mortarella every night. I'm watching the Padres every night, right? Uh, but based on, this, based on the way that this Padres season is going, I might be watching more of those guys for sure. Um, now, there were a couple guys that were moved up to high A. Dylan Lesko, who was drafted last year, first-round pick, and Samuel Zavala, who was signed, I believe, out of Venezuela. They are going to the 10 caps. Um, Dylan Head, 
He was with rookie ball, first round pick for the Padres, drafted less than two months ago. And he's now going to be up with Lake Elsinore, single A Lake Elsinore, along with Homer Bush, right? He was actually with Lake Elsinore before Dylan Head was. He may have actually started there. Um, but yeah, with Lesko, not a surprise that Preller is continuing to push these guys. He was not ready to start for Lake and El- Elsinore, excuse me, at the beginning of the season. He was still doing that Tommy John recovery. Uh, pitched a little bit of rookie ball, debuted for Lake Elsinore July 21st against, I believe, the Dodgers affiliate. Struck out four, three innings of work. Uh, the, you look at the traditional numbers, six ERA, uh, 21 innings, I believe, of work, 14 runs. I was looking that up the other day. So it's not super impressive looking at the results. But what's how big of a difference is single A, Lake Elsinore, and high A, Fort Wayne? Um, you know, the Padres just continuing to push Lesko, give him that challenge, see how he can do it to the, the end of this year. And maybe he can start next year, continue to start next year at high A, and then be promoted at double A instead of staying at Lake Elsinore the rest of this season. And then maybe the Padres feel like, oh, we should probably have him be at high the entire season next year. It's just pushing guys up. And maybe it's too soon, but it's challenging guys. And we'll see how it ends up. Uh, Samuel Zavala, he is the big outfielder in this Padres farm system now that Robert Hassel's gone. James Wood is gone, obviously, in that Juan Soto trade from last season. Um, and he's 19. So he's another, obviously, young guy out of Venezuela. 871 OPS this season, more than 70 runs driven in, just a little more than 100 games. And I think that the Padres want to see this guy be a starting outfielder for this Padres team come 2024. Maybe not 2024. That's probably too early. 2025, definitely by 2026, if they don't deal him before then. Now, if they extend Juan Soto or they bring him back in free agency, then you're going to have Tatis and Soto locked up long-term. And maybe, I mean, they could still have Zavala go play a corner. or Maybe, I think Tatis would be in center if that were the case. Um, But maybe they just go a different route with that last starting outfielder and trade Savala for, I don't know, young controllable pitching or a position of need. But I think it would be best for the Padres to really see what they got in Savala here and give him a chance, bring him, have him be in this farm system, have him come up to the major leagues, obviously assuming that everything can go well in the minors and his progression towards the big leagues, see what he can give you at the big league level. Because when was the last time the Padres had a like all-star, maybe I shouldn't even go that high of expectation, but when was the last time the Padres had like a really impactful starting outfielder on their team? You know, um, and I'm talking about, obviously, you point to Tatis and all that and Soto, but I'm talking about when was the last homegrown Padres outfielder that came up through the system and they end up being like this star for the Padres, right? Will Myers wasn't homegrown. And I think some would say, right, he probably did not perform up to the level of expectation in that contract. And then he moved to first base. And then there was the time where he was at third for a couple games in one season. Then he was switching back and forth between the outfield and first. I'm talking like permanent outfielder. Renfro didn't go his entire time with the Padres, right? He gets dealt. Same thing with Manny Margot. 
Um, who is that guy that's homegrown and was an outfielder from the start and ends, ended up being this really impactful outfielder for the Padres? Can Samuel Savala be that guy? We shall see. Obviously, Grish was not homegrown. He came over from Milwaukee, and he was a top prospect with Milwaukee. Um, had, obviously, the error when Soto had that single in the wild card game. Gets traded over to the Padres. Um, and then he's, he's pretty much been the starting center fielder since. Like, who is that guy? It's It's been a really long time, isn't it? So hopefully they give Zavala a chance. And then Dylan Head, he obviously is 18, almost hit 300 with a 413 on base percentage, 884 OPS, 51 uh, rookie ball at bat. So I believe he was playing games at Peoria. Um, as that's where I believe rookie ball is. And so, yeah, obviously I'm, I'm okay with the Padres bringing up Dylan Head to Lake Elsinore. Like, why not have him play with Homer Bush? Um, and is there a huge difference between rookie ball and Lake Elsinore? Like, I'm, I'm just, I don't know. I'm not so sure about that. Um, so, yeah, give him the chance and kind of like some other guys, see if he's ready for this level at the end of this season. If he's not, then maybe you can bring him back down at the start of next season and make sure that he's ready. Uh, or he'll prove in spring training that he will be ready to stay in Lake Elsinore if he maybe struggles a little bit, um, which I, I don't think we should expect all of these guys to be amazing talents uh, and perform really well when they first get called up here and, and promoted to double A or high A or wherever they're going, because I'm sure that there's an adjustment there for these prospects. But Salas being 17 years old and being at double A, that's crazy. And some, I saw some that aren't really happy about this. Like, why the heck are they doing this? Why are they rushing him and all that? Um, but I kind of think of it as, well, they know more than we do. And the Padres, they did a ton of background on Ethan Salas. Obviously, you give them millions of dollars on the signing bonus, right? Wasn't it like over $5 million? You give them all that money, of course you're going to do background. You know how smart the guy is. You know that he puts in the work. And they've probably watched, Feller's probably watched every at-bat that Ethan has had so far and has watched things behind the plate. Um, and other scouts have probably done that. So they know more than we do. If it ends up not working out, then yeah, in hindsight, we'll be like, that was a dumb decision. But I'm not going to say it was a dumb decision because, again, I think they know more than we do. And from everything that I've seen, everything that I've heard, you know, just had Jim Callis on last week. And he was like, some teams think, they, some teams have told the Padres, most valuable player in baseball, including major leaguers, based on his age and position and where he's at and his, you know, potential. So, obviously, people in the industry think very highly of him. So, we'll see what he can do at the AA level. Uh, Jeff Sanders just tweeted this out. Padres say no issues with the field. Game is on as scheduled tonight. So, that's good news. Now, what might not be great news is that Ryan Weathers is scheduled to be on the mound for the Miami Marlins. And I posted this on social media, and this is... Kind of what I think, and maybe this is an exaggeration, but I posted Randy Johnson king a bunch of Yankees uh, in 2001, I believe, in the World Series because like he was dominant in that outing. 
And this is definitely what I could see Ryan Weathers doing. Maybe not striking out 10, 12 guys, but giving up like one run or no runs over five, six innings. I could definitely see Ryan Weathers doing that against the Padres because he's probably pissed off that he got traded. Um, or if he's not pissed off, it's just like, you shouldn't have traded me. Uh, you're just playing your former team. So you want to do well, obviously, against for your former team with the guy that traded you sitting up in his um, suite, you know, at Petco Park and watching his ball club get dominated by you, right? I'm sure that's going to be a great feeling tonight for Weathers if he's able to do that against the Padres. And just looking at it from the perspective of, well, Ryan Weathers, he's not the best pitcher in baseball, right? And he's someone that got pounded in his first outing away from the Padres. I think he falls into the category of the not elite pitchers for sure, right? He's not that great at the big league level. And so the Padres, they've had some trouble doing well against guys that aren't those elite pitchers. And so this would fall under that category. And so it wouldn't surprise me if Weathers does, especially when you look at his lines on his game logs, his last outing, or excuse me, I'm looking at his game logs here and it says he hasn't pitched since August 5th. So maybe, let me see, was he put on the IL? I wonder why it says that he hasn't pitched. Let's see what's up with him there. But his first, his only outing, it says here on his game logs, with the Marlins, three and two-thirds innings, gave up six earned runs, he gave up two bombs. Uh, let's see here. Recall, oh, he was optioned to the minors. So the Marlins are calling Ryan Weathers up to pitch in this game tonight. So yeah, I don't have a great feeling about this. Skip Schumacher, former Padres coach, who was in the same clubhouse as Ryan Weathers, knows probably a lot about Ryan Weathers, calling him up to face the Padres at Petco Park. That doesn't sound great for me. Just I'm just saying. I'm totally not going to be surprised if Ryan Weathers shoves against the Padres today. And he knows the Padres hitters. Now, the Padres should know Weathers, but he knows the Padres hitters, I'm sure. He's probably thought, how would I strike out Manny or how would I strike out Tatis? I'm sure he's faced those guys in spring training at-bats, and that's different, totally, obviously, than in the middle of the season. But, yeah, uh, don't have a great feeling. And Skip Schumacher, he already has enough motivation, right, trying to get his team to the postseason. The Marlins are actually in the fight for postseason spot. The Padres, I don't consider them actually in the fight right now because look at the big gap in the wild card standings. There's like a five-game gap between Marlins and the Padres. They're just not there. They're not in that bunch there that are one or two games away from a wild card spot. So he's fighting for that, but also... He gets to come manage against Bob Melvin, who has a ton of experience, obviously, managing big league ball games, And he gets to manage against the organization that ultimately didn't give him that managing opportunity, right? He left the Padres to go, I think, to the Cardinals for one year, and then the Cardinals to the Marlins because he interviewed for that Marlins job uh, with Kim Ang, obviously, running things there in Miami and took that. So I don't know if he has any bad feelings about the Padres organization, but if the Padres wanted to go to Skip Schumacher from Jace Tingler, I think they could have done it. I think Skip would have 
taken it, right? Wouldn't he have if he was offered the managing job by AJ and Bob Melvin wasn't? Would Skip would he have took that job? Um, now I don't think he was ready. I think he said in a past interview that he wasn't ready for it um, when he interviewed. I want to say with the Mets. So maybe that's how he felt with this Padres thing. Um, but I'm sure he wants to come beat the Padres for sure. Like there's, there has to be some inner motivation as well. Um, okay. Come back from a quick break and then I'll get to the chat. Check out Gaglione Bros famous cheesesteaks and garlic fries on Friars Road. You can visit their website, gaglionebros.com, for their entire menu and enjoy their cheesesteaks and fries at Petco Park and Snapdragon Stadium as well. I'm looking at the Marlins' probables for this series. Ryan Weathers today, Jesus Lazardo, who is another former top prospect, highly thought of pitcher, and then Wednesday, Sandy Alcantara, who has not been the same pitcher this year as he was last year when he won the Cy Young. But it's still the you still look at the name and it's like oh crap, because Rich Hill's pitching for the Padres on uh, Wednesday in that series finale. Yeah, four eleven ERA for Alcantara. So you're not looking at that and being blown away by any means by that. But you still see the name and he has been pitching a little bit better as of late. Last outing, quality start against the Dodgers, six innings, three runs. Outing before that, he went a full nine innings, gave up one run. And six innings, four runs allowed in that Texas series. But then his first outing of August, eight innings, no runs against the Phillies. So he's, and the outing before that, nine innings, one run against the Rays. So he's pitching better. This is not the same Alcantara that we saw earlier in the, did we see him earlier in the year? No, he didn't pitch against the Padres earlier in the year. But this is not the same Alcantara that had a, you know, 509 ERA after his first like six starts of the season. It's a different guy that we're seeing. His ERA is just inflated because of some of the starts earlier in the year, you know? So I would not count on winning Wednesday's game. Today and Tuesday are very crucial for sure. Uh, but I think the Padres season is over anyway. So maybe Padres fans are like, who cares about this Padres Marlins series? I'm just looking at the minor leagues now or whatever. And that's definitely your right to do that. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm I'm not going to blame you for... I'm going to keep tabs on those guys, of course, in the minors, those prospects. But I'm still focused on this big league ball club, obviously. Even if they're going to get eliminated, I'm still going to watch this team every night and be focused on this team every night. Because it's the major league team. That's what I think we all care about the most, and that's what we all should care about the most. I don't want to go back to 2016 and 2017 and 2018 where we're like, oh, Carlos Asuaya about to debut in September. Manny Margot coming up. I'm so excited to see these guys. Or Ryan Schimpf or Corey Spangenberg. I don't want to go back to those days. you know. And I'll be excited when Salas comes up and when Merrill comes up, no doubt. But I want to be excited about this big league team. And that's just not going to happen this year. But that's where you know my main passion and love obviously goes to, right, is the major league Padres. Um, but yeah, these first two games, if you're still wanting to look at this from, oh, how can the Padres make the postseason? Taking two out of three feels like a must. 
uh, it felt like taking three out of four from the D-backs, or at least splitting was a must, and they didn't do that. So, yeah, I feel like the season's over, but if you still want to give them a chance, you have to win, it feels like, every series from here on out. And you get an easier schedule in September, which is good, or maybe not good, based on how they played against some of the weaker teams in Major League Baseball this year. Um, but even with that September schedule, even if they do well, maybe it's going to be too late and it won't even matter. Um, game one is going to be Michael Walker tonight against Ryan Weathers. Snell is tomorrow. That's against Luzardo. And then Hill, obviously, in the series finale. The good news, obviously, is that Waka and Snell are pitching in the first two games. So I would like to think that the Padres have a good chance of winning the first two games of this series. But I would not be surprised if they don't uh, win this series because Wednesday, I'm not thinking they're going to win. And then tonight, Ryan Weathers is on the mound. So hopefully they win Tuesday. But today feels like a coin flip. You know, Michael Waka, it's no disrespect to him, but... I'm just really looking at it as, well, it's Ryan Weathers that's on the freaking mound. So I'm not seeing a bunch of offense coming from this Padres team today. Just not not seeing that. All right. Let's get to the chat here. I know I'm behind. Um, haven't really gone through the chat here. Um, Pedro says, they say if you can play double-A ball, you're basically ready for Major League Baseball. Triple-A is just the, the Q line to be called up oh i get what you're saying like yeah usually the, the top prospects like you look at i'll look at the top prospects right now in baseball because i was looking at this the other day it was probably yesterday that i was looking at this after the news came down of all of these promotions jackson holiday number one prospect in baseball according to mlb.com he's in double a jackson churio for the brewers Double A. Um, Dylan Cruz was just called up, I believe, to Double A, and he just got drafted out of LSU for the Nats. He's going to be exciting to watch. Uh, Ethan Salas, obviously, now going to be in Double A. Junior Caminero for the Rays, Double A. James Wood for the Nats, obviously, Double A. Evan Carter for the Rangers, number eight prospect in baseball, Double A. Jackson Merrill, Double A. Uh, Marcelo Meyer from the Red Sox. 11th best prospect, double A. Like, you're looking at a lot of guys here that are in double A. You know, there's a lot of these guys that are triple A. Uh, it still has Ethan Salas as high A, but he's in double A now. Paul Skeens just got drafted. He's in single A. Um, but those are some different circumstances. But the best prospects, most of them, especially those top ones, they're in double A. So, yeah, I agree. That's like where the, the highest ceiling talent probably is so it's going to be a tough test for salas and for the other guys that have been called up as well uh pedro also says sammy savala looks good too happy for that kid plus we have uh verdugo in lake elsinore and he looks good too there was also another i forgot to mention because jeff in his first tweet about the minor leaguers he didn't mention griffin dorshing Devin Ortiz, Tyler Robertson, they're also going to Fort Wayne. And Romeo Sanabria, I, I don't know who that is. He's going to Lake, El Lake Elsinore. So those are some different. Griffin Dorshing, wasn't he tearing up single A earlier this season? I remember his name being brought up. So again, it's a lot of those prospects that the Padres might think have a big league future.
playing together at double A and we'll see if it works out. It hasn't worked out in the past, so it's not a guarantee that it works out, but there's some guys in this farm system where it's like, wow, uh, I'm very interested in seeing how they do at the big league level when they reach there. Cause it's not a, will they reach the big league level? It feels like with, with some of these guys, it's when they reach, what do they do when they get there? Chris says in a meeting right now, but rather be listening to this. Appreciate that. Hopefully you don't get fired. Um, the BG Hero says, haters should be pitching more slash longer, but the Padres hitting problems are bigger. I agree with that. Like Matt said, hater, like he blames a lot of this on hater. And I agree with that. Like I put blame on hater, but hater, even if he did pitch in the situations that we want him to pitch in, he's not pitching every day, right? The offense is the one that's there every day. These superstar players, they're in there every day. The starting pitching, I think, has been pretty solid this year. Bullpen's had some moments where it hasn't been good, right? They started off the season great, and then it got really bumpy, right? But the offense has been inconsistent the entire season. So I would point there first before I point to Hader. I agree with that. But Hader, I agree with Matt. That's It's definitely frustrating this year. Uh, Spudnuts says, why is Gamble playing? Well, I mean, what are the other options? Maybe they should have Soto DH because Ben Gamble is known for his defense in the outfield. Obviously, Grishan Tatis really good defensively in the outfield. And they're not having Gary or Campy DH while the other is starting at catcher. So do you want Matt Carpenter getting the everyday at-bats? Or do you want Ben Gamble at least playing good defensively in the outfield and having Soto DH like they did, I think, the second game of that doubleheader the other day? I, I don't know. I don't think Gamble's going to play every day. But I'm just saying, like, that's why he's playing. I mean, Choi on the I.L., Cooper, he was he jammed something the other day. So it comes down to, like, what other options are there? That's probably why. And Bo he likes to get some guys at-bats. And, and Gamble hasn't been great offensively, obviously, and I'm not surprised he's not an offensive player, but he's done his job defensively. What a catch he made the other day going over the rail. Uh, Space Cowboy says, I definitely feel like there's some sort of mindset slash mentality struggle within the team. There's just so much inconsistency day to day. Well, yeah, they're, I mean, the mindset, Musgrove talked about it earlier in the year about the urgency. And then Juan Soto coming out with the quitting quote, you know? Bogarts earlier this year, I think the National Series. Like, remember the quote he said? Come on, it's the Nationals. They didn't have playoff aspirations. So, yeah. It definitely, there there has been a mindset mentality struggle with this team. Bob Melvin has said he, he, pulled the, he pulled that card much earlier than he did last year. Obviously, we know what happened last year, September in Arizona. Then they start playing good baseball. They go on the long postseason run. This year, he pulled that thing and was that April that he did that? I think the Twins, that Dodgers, Twins, Dodgers stretch there where he was like, we got to play with a little more fight. We got to you know, we got to want it a little bit more. He said something to that effect, I think, in Minnesota. So, yeah, I agree. Matt says, I know you only went back to August, but Felix Bautista has 16 more innings pitched than Josh Hader. And before his Astros blow up, he had a .69 ERA. So it's very comparable. Just way more innings. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, that's fair. I definitely, yeah, but, and I brought up, like, 
even just with those numbers there, if you put those innings into some crucial situations this season for the Padres where they, they opted not to go to Hader or Hader said, I'm not available here. I don't want to pitch in this spot. And so the Padres didn't go to him. You add those up and it's like Padres could be in a better spot than they are right now. And we could maybe feel a little bit more like they're in it instead of saying season's over, you know? Uh, Spud Nuts asks, Ben, who is your favorite? Who is your, yeah, who is your favorite Padres prospect? Uh, I mean, that's tough. Between Sal, it probably have to be between Salas or Merrill. Um, and Merrill, I think, puts together really good at bats. And Salas, from what I've seen, he's been super, super impressive. Um, I know he wasn't super impressive numbers wise in Fort Wayne, so maybe that's why I was a little head scratching why the Padres decided to pull Salas up after struggling in Fort Wayne, you know, nine games there and they pull him up. I, I know this isn't going out on, you know, this isn't being different or anything like that, but I'd probably say Salas just because of how unique it is. And he's just super interesting. It does feel weird. And usually the guys I'm talking about are older than me, like a decade older, like Manny and all that. Uh, but I'm talking about a guy that's younger than me. And I'm like, I love watching this guy. It feels a little bit weird, but I'm sure that's how all the other sports talk hosts feel because they're older than all the players they talk about. So that does feel a little weird. Gil says, Dylan Head looks like the real deal so far. And Pedro then adds, plus Homer Bush Jr. Now that's an outfield. Yeah, we'll see how they develop. Obviously, that's a long ways away. But like Preller, there's been some pitching where it's been spotty. Uh, but the drafting, especially like the top picks, they're usually highly regarded um, in the farm system, you know, years after they get drafted. So it doesn't feel like he gets the draft picks wrong. Maybe it's developing or trading guys for star players, doesn't have the patience to wait on those players to develop and goes and because they're trying to win now. Juan Soto's available. Okay, James Wood, um, Hassel, Susanna. Uh, who else was traded in that deal? Wood, um, Hassel. Oh, Gore, Abrams, they weren't prospects, but that's who I was thinking of. We're not going to see what you end up being. We don't have that patience. We're trying to win right now. We're getting Juan Soto. Um, and so, yes, a lot of the, the draft picks that AJ makes, they don't end up panning out for the Padres at the big league level. Uh, but some of that circumstances, right, and just some of the trades that they have made. But, I mean, to make those trades, those other teams – have to really be interested in those players and love those players. And Mike Rizzo with the Nats was in love with those players. And he got what he wanted. Um, so drafting-wise, feels like Preller's done a pretty good job drafting-wise. I think the developing, you could question. And some of the other decision-making, obviously, you could dimension. Or dimension. You could question. Um... Yeah, Terso Anellis, he's in AAA, I believe.
Yeah, Gil says here in the chat, hates Luis Lizardo for Kim. Mic drop. I don't know if he's being sarcastic about this, but obviously that wouldn't happen. I don't think. <laughs> Padres wouldn't do that now, but wasn't that like an off-season thing that was being floated around? Like, I might have actually talked about it on the show. Would you trade Hassan Kim for someone like Jesus Lizardo because he's under control and the, the talent is there and Kim maybe doesn't have a future with the Padres beyond next year? Would you do that? And Kim's been the Padres MVP this season, you know? So, no, that's not going to happen anymore. I'd be shocked. Yeah, Kim bobblehead night tomorrow. Yep. Um, continuing to go through the chat. Oh, I got a super chat. Sorry. Just saw this, Pedro. My bad. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Says, so what's your dream offseason moves? Front office and players-wise, Fire Preller, Keep Bomel, and any wild trades even with the clubhouse drama? My dream offseason. Man, because I'm talking about this team and you know paying attention to this team day in, day out, I haven't gotten a ton of time to think of my dream offseason. Is Shohei Otani on that list? I'd love to have Shohei Otani, but... Do I want the pod? I mean, it's not my money, I guess, but do I want the Padres to pay $600 million for Shohei Otani if it's not a guarantee that he pitches and hits at this level for the next decade? Do I want, even though Shohei Otani, Shohei Otani, and uh, an amazing player, obviously, the, the greatest talent I've ever seen, do I want the Padres to do that? and give another player a huge contract. And this one would be way bigger than any other contract. You know? Is my dream offseason including extending Soto? Well, I don't think that's really realistic. I don't think there, an extension would happen when he's this close to free agency. And they're going to miss the playoffs this year. So I don't even think I, sh I could include that on my dream offseason wish list. Uh, if the Padres miss the postseason, it's probably Preller being gone and Bowmel staying would be on there. But again, I'm trying to think realistic, and I don't think that's realistic that Preller goes. I, I don't see him going. Um, it can be realistic in my head, like if I were Peter Seidler, I would do that, but I'm not um, obviously the one in control of those moves. So again, realistic, I guess a dream sometimes isn't realistic. So sure, if, if I'm taking realistic out of it, and I don't care about the money and all that, just accumulate the most talent and whatever. I guess it would be keep Bob Melvin if he wants to stay, bring in another president of baseball operations, uh, a new GM, uh, bring in Shohei Otani, screw it. Um, probably bring back Snell because of how great he's pitching. Because I'm not super sold on the other free agent starting pitchers right now. I haven't dug deep into those, so maybe in the offseason I will be sold on those guys. Um, I'd wait on the Soto extension, to be honest. Because I think his asking price is just going to be super high and continue to be high. Um, probably move Tatis to center field. Get him comfortable there. I think 
trading Kim might make a little bit of sense, but I'm trying to win in 2024. So I don't want to trade Kim. And Crony's obviously here. Manny's here. Bogarts is here. Yeah, that's a tough one. Because this is the this is part of maybe this is part of the reason why Sider will keep AJ. It's he probably sees, well, there's not a whole lot to do with the roster because of all the contracts that are here. Like you're not getting rid of Soto because you're trying to win next year, right? You're not getting rid of Kim. Crony's here. Manny's here. Xander's here. Campy's here. Maybe you bring back Gary. Maybe you bring back Snell. Maybe you bring back Waka on the, the club option. We'll see what happens with Lugo, but Musgrove's here. Darvish is here. Grish is under contract. Tatis is here. Soto's obviously here for next year. Uh, Suarez is here. A lot of the bullpen guys have a contract at least for next year. So, yeah, there's some guys that you might have to replace, but your stars that are going to get you somewhere, they're already here pretty much, right? So why would I change the GM and think it's going to change when most of the roster is going to stay the same anyway, I would think. Maybe that's what Peter Seidler's thinking. So yeah, uh, Pedro, great question. I know I didn't answer that fully there, uh, and I was kind of rambling there, but I will definitely have a lot to say about that in the offseason when I've really sat down and thought about the offseason and what I would do. And I think the Padres are going to would say that same thing if you ask them that. Like I think they will have a better answer for that when they talk about it uh, in the offseason. Um, they probably already started talking about it, but and I'm sure they have because they think about everything. But yeah, um, they'd have a better answer. I'll have a better answer for you when I actually really sit down and think about what's best in the offseason. Any names for GM or manager, Pedro asks. Um, well, manager, Bob Melvin, I want him here. And GM, if Preller goes, I mean, bring in David Stearns. Or David's, yeah, David Stearns, right, with Milwaukee. I don't know if he would do it. You know, there's a lot of rumors about him going to the Mets. Uh, bring him in. Uh, I would bring in Theo Epstein if he's up for it. I would bring in James Click, who I believe is with the Blue Jays now. Obviously, did not continue with the Astros there. I would bring him in uh, if he's willing to do it. Those are names that pop off the top of my head immediately. Um, I think the Orioles, their assistant GM, I think he was with the Astros. I would interview him. Um, the Dodgers, someone with the Dodgers. I know it may be a little bit weird to say, but someone with the Dodgers or someone with the Braves under Anthopolis. Because obviously, they're having continued success. The Astros continuing to have success. Get someone in there, um, and hopefully they can bring that over to the Padres. That's that's what I would think for GM, president of baseball ops, if AJ goes. But again, realistically, I don't think we should even talk about GMs because AJ's not going to go anywhere. Uh, Pedro asks, what do you do with Soto if you get Otani, though? Well, then you don't bring Soto back. You trade Soto to get something back? I don't think Scyther would do that. I think they'd probably just go all in for 2024 and just hope that it works out. And if you don't bring Soto back, well, you have Manny, Xander, Tatis, uh, 
people don't want me to say this, but Crony, because he's on a long-term contract, you have those guys and Otani long-term. Yeah, Pedro, you're right. At this rate, beer is going to be 40 bucks. What is it now? Because obviously I don't, I've never drink beer. So uh, what is it at Petco? Is it like 20 bucks? That seems like a lot, but the food feels like everything's a lot anyway. Yeah, yeah, Matt, that's who I'm talking about. The O's assistant GM, Elias's right-hand man. Who is that? Let me see here. Orioles, is it the Medjdell dude? Under Mike Elias, let me see here. Sig, Sig or Sig? Sig Medjdell, S-I-G-M-E-J-D. A.L. Vice President and Assistant GM for the Orioles under Mike Elias. I would think about someone like that. And the Dodgers, they can't refuse the pot. They can't say no to the Padres if the Padres go to them and be like, we're requesting to interview the right-hand man to Andrew Friedman. They can't deny that. Or they go to the Rays. Uh, I think it's Eric Neander who runs their club, right? He can't say no. So, if it, because it's a promotion, I believe. I think that's the rules. So, I don't think it's something where it's like, well, no one's, they're not going to allow the Padres to do that. I think they can't allow, because it's a promotion. Like, the, for example, with Ryan Flaherty, I know this is coaching staff, but Ryan Flaherty, the Padres rejected the Mets to interview him for bench coach. And they were, I think, allowed to do that because that would have been a lateral move. Because the Padres, they made Ryan Flaherty the bench coach. They gave him bench coach slash offensive coordinator. So they elevated his uh, position, even though Ryan Christensen's the bench coach because he's associate manager, I believe. But see what they did there? They made him the same level, technically, in terms of title, as what he was going to be interviewing for for the Mets. So they could refuse it there. But... If the Mets, let's say they didn't hire Buck and they wanted Ryan Flaherty, I don't think they could. Ref I, I don't think that they could block Flaherty from talking because that would be a elevation for Flaherty personally, right? So we'll see what happens there. Eighteen bucks is what beer is. Jeez Louise! And people do that. People, people really spend like how much money? How much money would a family spend? Like a family of four at Petco. Tickets, like 40 a piece. You know, okay, that's already 160. And then you're paying for parking, and parking can be 40 bucks. That's 200 right there. Then you're paying for maybe a couple beers. Let's tack on another 40. And then you're paying for food, maybe. Tack on another 40. I mean, you're paying a few hundred bucks to go to one Padres game. It's a lot. And then you add on that to season ticket holders doing all that all the time and going to all those games. And then the team's not performing on the field. And then the team is like, no, nah, we'll still just raise prices. See how that pisses off fans? It definitely adds up for sure.
Yeah, I agree, Matt. I've never heard of an offensive coordinator in Major League Baseball. Yeah. Look at Flaherty breaking new ground. No, that's that's Preller wanting to keep Flaherty because he's probably like, when Bob Melvin fails or when Bob Melvin's done, uh, I'm going to go bring, I'm going to elevate my guy to be the manager. Let's see if that works out. Third time is going to work out, right? Third time's the charm or whatever the saying is. That'll work out. No, I don't see that. It's going to work out. Pedro says easily over $500, and that's nosebleeds. Yeah, and the kids, the wife want jerseys, toys. Yeah. That's why there's some fans that only are able to make it to like three games a year, or maybe even one or two games a year. I understand, I understand it for sure. And I didn't really like how, the, how Eric Grubner in that letter to season ticket holders, he made it seem like, or it was almost like he was like, I don't want to say threatening. Maybe that's too much. But he said in his letter, like, there's plenty of other people waiting in line for your season tickets. They're very valued. Kind of made it like, if you don't renew, that's okay. We'll just have someone else come right in and take your tickets. You better renew. No, that's how it felt. And it was like, come on, man. Really? There's been a lot of exciting moments and more to come. Sure, there's been exci some exciting moments, like the Tatis home run, and um, yeah, there's there's been some exciting moments. Tatis stealing home recently in the Gary Grand Slam. Uh, but it's like, is there going to be an exciting postseason appearance that I don't know about? I don't think so. And now you're raising ticket prices. It's like, come on now. I get it business and payroll and inflation and all that but it's just not a good look and it's obviously going to piss off fans for sure all right i'm going to go to the rest of the chat here after this break i want to tell you about the best and easiest way to play fantasy sports it's underdog fantasy they have great pick em games and best ball tournaments in pickup games just pick higher or lower on two to five players stats and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. You can go cross-team, cross-league, and even cross-sport. Best Ball revolves around the draft, which is what every fan loves the most about fantasy. And it eliminates the hassle of having to manage your roster all season long, resulting in a fun and easy fantasy product. How does it work exactly? You enter a contest where you participate in a snake draft against other users. That lineup that you drafted competes against every other draft in the entire contest. The better the combined performance of your team, the more money you win. After your lineup is all played, Underdog will take the best performing players and automatically set them as your starting lineup. That's it. No waivers, no trades, no worrying about who to start or sit. After you complete your draft, your part is done. Underdog Fantasy offers best ball in a variety of ways, including daily contests, weekly contests, playoff contests, and season-long contests. You can either enter into these and compete against thousands of other entrants for huge prizes, or if you'd like, you can enter into a private draft with friends and family to compete for a smaller prize pool. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy-to-use website and mobile apps. Sign up now by clicking the link in the description or by using the promo code TALKINGFRIERS and you'll double your first deposit up to $100 in bonus cash when you make your first deposit of $10 or more. 
So if you deposit $100, you get $100 free. If you deposit $10, you get $10 free. As we close out this show today, I wonder what the underdog fantasy higher lower strikeout total is going to be for Ryan Weathers tonight against the Padres. Again, seems like the game's going to be played. The weather's good. What? Is it probably five and a half, I would say? Let's see. See if underdog has it. Tatis is there. Waka has one. Ryan Weathers. Here it is. Oh, okay. Two and a half earned runs allowed. I'd probably go lower on that. Three and a half strikeouts. That's it. Well, I know in his last outing, he only went like three innings, right? But, I mean, it's the Padres. Probably go higher on that. Five hits allowed. We'll see. Nationals, by the way, they just extended Davey Martinez, and they're about to extend Mike Rizzo, it looks like. So they're believing in their rebuild, and they're believing in the Juan Soto trade, obviously, with Mike Rizzo, what he did there, the prospects that they got. And it seems like they are trending upward. So we'll see how Gore and Abrams do as their careers develop. We'll see when Wood and Hassel end up being called up. Um, and Yarlin Susanna, see what happens there. Um, but yeah, they're trending up, and the Padres seems like they're trending down right now, which, which sucks. Um, obviously, wishing all the best to all of those Padres prospects that got traded to the Nats. Um, I just wish that we would have two postseason, or excuse me, three postseason runs like we thought we were going to get with Juan Soto instead of two before he reaches free agency. Okay, anything else in the chat here before I get out of here? Um, Chris says, give Preller credit for overpaying, giving, giving contracts. I lost the comment. Give Preller credit for overpaying, giving contracts when he didn't have to and getting rid of controllable pieces. Oh. Is there a, there must be a discussion going on here about AJ. Yeah, AJ is excellence. I, I still, it's hard for me to believe that Scyther actually said that. I mean, come on. Right in the middle of a bad road trip as well. Like, against the Nationals and the Reds. What are we doing, Peter? I mean, I appreciate what you're doing for the organization, but you didn't have to go that far. All right, that's episode 451, Talking Friars. Reminder, code Talking Friars, $20 off your SeatGeek order. BreakingT.com, click that link in the description for some great San Diego sports swag, Padres, Aztecs, Wave. I'm out of here. Pre-game thoughts later before the Padres-Marlins series kicks off. And then post-game reaction as always. Thank you all for the support. I appreciate it. And see you all later. <laughs>